Welcome to Radio Davos, the podcast from the World Economic Forum that looks at the biggest challenges and how we might solve them. This week, imagine you had a Rolodex of the most influential people in the world that you could call up and get on a Zoom call to thrash out some of those global challenges. Well, I know someone who does just that. We have a great panel today discussing the most pressing global issues. Burger Brenda, former Norwegian foreign minister and president of the World Economic Forum, hosts regular top-level discussions on the most pressing issues, and we're bringing them to you in a new podcast show, Agenda Dialogues. Very honored to have the newly elected Director General of the WTO, Ngozi, former uh, Vice President Al Gore. Nice segue over to Minister Goyal, Minister of India for Trade, Commerce, Railways. Francois Philippe Champagne used to be Foreign Minister, was the Trade Minister before, now in charge of innovation. Good to see you, Matt, Secretary of State for Health in the UK. Subscribe to Radio Davos wherever you get your podcasts, leave us a rating and a review and join the conversation at the World Economic Forum Podcast Club on Facebook. I'm Robin Pomeroy at the World Economic Forum and with a look at our new podcast, Agenda Dialogues. He even got the Nobel Peace Prize for that, nominated by a Norwegian parliamentarian back then, uh, being myself. This is Radio Davos. The World Economic Forum is best known for Davos, the annual meeting of leaders from government, business, civil society in the Swiss Alps. It's so important we even named this podcast after it. But high-level discussions are happening in and around the World Economic Forum all year. One of the venues for that is the Agenda Dialogues. They happen once a fortnight. You can watch them online and now listen to edited audio versions in the podcast. We'll be publishing a handful of episodes of the podcast, Agenda Dialogues, over the coming weeks. Just search Agenda Dialogues on your podcast app. And on this episode of Radio Davos, we're bringing you a flavour of what to expect. We'll be hearing on this episode from former US President Al Gore on climate change. We have what we need right now to make the transition to a sustainable economy. The new head of the World Trade Organization, Ngozi Okonjo-Iweala, on global commerce. There's a very clear message. The WTO needs to have some successes this year. No longer can we take 20 years to negotiate outcomes on very important things. If the WTO is about people. And first, from this very urgent discussion in this time of COVID, a dialogue on health. This is Helen Clark, former New Zealand Prime Minister, who's now evaluating the global response to the pandemic as co-chair of the Independent Panel for Pandemic Preparedness and Response. Burger Brenda asked Helen Clark what the panel had found. We did identify uh, failures and delays at every stage of the response to the outbreak and then what became the the pandemic. Unfortunately, despite years of of warning of pandemic risk, many countries just weren't adequately prepared for an event of of this kind. We also found that the existing uh, detection and alert systems were rather uh, too slow and didn't generate the urgent uh, response required. We're also uh, concerned about the failure to have applied a precautionary principle at the earliest uh, indicative evidence of human-to-human transmission. And then we particularly focused on the month of February after the Public Health Emergency of International Concern Declaration, when it seemed a lot of the world uh, sat and waited and and didn't really use that time uh, to put in place the the measures that might have uh, contained Uh, the outbreak uh, rather more. And and the rest is history with the wide-ranging social and economic crises which have uh, followed with the the pandemic. 
So the recommendations that we make will be based on the, the, the learning and the observations of, of what didn't uh, go right. Uh, we will uh, certainly be looking in the direction of a much more rapid and transparent surveillance and alert system. We think that the current system is not really one designed for the digital age, and knowing the World Economic Forum's uh, great interest in the fourth industrial revolution in the digital age, let's just say that the system we need must be based on the most up-to-date tools, artificial intelligence, uh, to be able to detect and transparently report pandemic threats in hours and days and not weeks. We are, after all, in the 21st century. We are not in the age of uh, a medieval plague where disease traveled by foot. These infections pathogens can be on the next plane and there's no time to waste. The second uh, strong point we'll make is that the alert must lead to a rapid response by all countries. Uh, when the world's top global health official, uh, which is the Director General of the WHO, declares such a public health emergency of international concern, everybody's got to jump. And uh, the most successful responses, I think, have been based on uh, strong leadership uh, from the top uh, in countries, effective whole of government coordination, effective communications with the public, and of course, societal engagement as, as well. Helen Clark of the Independent Panel for Pandemic Preparedness and Response, which was set up by the World Health Organization to look at the lessons we can learn from the COVID crisis. Here's what she had to say about the importance of global cooperation in beating pandemics in the future. Suffice to say, you know, multilateralism hasn't been so strong in recent years, but when we're faced with a, a clear and present danger to every uh, human being, the world has to come together and come together now around a stronger system to support preparedness and response, find the resources for it, encourage the maximum possible cooperation among countries in sharing information and sharing the burden of containing infectious disease. And if we, we can do that, we have a chance of designing something better, hopefully overcoming this pandemic and being in a better state to avert a future one. Former New Zealand Prime Minister Helen Clark talking at the Agenda Dialogue on Global Health and the Economy. That will be available soon as a podcast. Other speakers include former UK Health Secretary Matt Hancock and speakers from Apollo Hospitals in India, from Mastercard and the London Business School. Another Agenda Dialogue centred on trade and one of the guests was Ngozi Okonjo-Iweala. She's been Nigeria's Finance Minister and in March she took up the role as Director General of the World Trade Organization, becoming the first woman and the first African to lead the WTO, which sets global rules on trade. Here is Ngozi Okonjo-Iweala on the global outlook for trade in the post-COVID world. Trade contracted by 5.3% in volume terms last year and 7% in value terms. And we're seeing a rebound this year of about 8%. But um, that rebound, uh, we have to dig behind it and see that there's uh, quite a bit of divergence. Just as we see in the growth or recovery of the world economy, we see the same in trade. There's a very strong recovery in Asia, uh, North America. Uh, Europe, as you said, is a bit of a mixed picture, but also uh, um, uh, recovering. But when you look at Latin America and uh, Africa, uh, those regions are falling behind. So you see a divergence in the pace of uh, recovery. And I think this is something that uh, has to be addressed. 
Interestingly, if we were able to get our vaccine distribution right for the world, we could see an additional 2% bounce in, the in trade recovery globally. We could go from 8 to 10%. That's what our numbers are, are showing. So vaccine uh, policy is economic policy. And that's one thing we're trying to say, that we need to get that right if we want a sustained recovery of the global economy. Ngozio Konju Whaler, the new head of the World Trade Organization, and as such, at the end of November, she'll host her first global meeting of trade ministers. It's known as MC12, standing for the 12th Ministerial Conference. Burger Brenda asked her what she hoped that might achieve. I think it's really critical that we have some deliverables at, at MC12. I've been talking to a lot of leaders now, including yesterday in Rome with Prime Minister Mario Draghi, the chair of the G20. And there's a very clear message that the uh, uh, WTO needs to have some successes this year. I think no longer can we take 20 years uh, to negotiate outcomes on very important things. If the WTO is about people, the, the, the purpose of the WTO in the Marrakesh preamble says it's about enhancing people's living standards. It's about creating employment. It's about supporting sustainable development. If you look at this that was done in 1995, it's as valid today and it's all about people. If we are all about people, we can't afford to take this kind of time. Therefore, we have to focus on having successes. Now, there are three or four things I think we should look at for the issue of sustainability and the environment. We are hoping that the fisheries subsidies negotiations which is designed to eliminate harmful fishery subsidies, will come to a fruition. This is good for sustainability. It's been going on. The negotiations have been going on for 20 years. My hope we, we conclude that and deliver that. Secondly, trade and health. Putting in a framework to deal with future pandemics. So we mustn't just think of how do we deal with what we have before us, but how is trade going to be contributory to the solution of future pandemics? The third deliverable we need to look at has to do with agriculture. Many of our members have said that an MC12 without a, an agreement on agriculture will not work for them. We also need to look at agriculture from the lens of this pandemic. We've seen we have food security-ish problems. So how can we deliver for food security? Ngozio Konjo Iwela, head of the World Trade Organization, talking at an agenda dialogue on global trade. That episode will be available soon. Other speakers include the trade ministers of India and of Australia, as well as business leaders and economic experts. You're listening to Radio Davos. We'll be right back after this. Loic Tassel is the Europe president at Procter & Gamble. The firm is one of the largest consumer goods companies in the world and touches the lives of 5 billion consumers each year. We want to be carbon neutral by the end of the decade, 2030. To meet climate goals, it's redesigning everything from products to supply chains. And in this effort, Loic's teams at P&G Europe are among those pioneering more sustainable products for the planet. Europe is a lighthouse for many of the early identifications of big societal problems and solutions. His teams are helping consumers learn more sustainable habits, rethinking everything from the way we buy shampoo to the temperature we use to do our laundry. Loic talked to Meet the Leader about pioneering planet-friendly products and what he's learned about listening and leading in his near 33 years at the company. I'm your host, Linda Lucina. Hear all about this and more 
on the next Meet the Leader. This is Radio Davos, where we're taking a sneak preview of a new podcast series, The Agenda Dialogues, top-level discussions on the world's biggest issues. We've heard a dialogue on health, one on trade, and now to climate change. Former US President Al Gore joined the dialogue and expressed his optimism that the tide is turning on climate action. Well, I think, Borga, that the world is crossing the long-awaited political tipping point right now. You know, Dornbush's law in economics says things take longer to happen than you think they will, and then they happen faster than you thought they could. This year, as part of the Paris Agreement, all nations have a, an obligation under the treaty to reassess their original commitments to reduce emissions and increase their ambition. And even when the Paris Agreement was signed, we knew then that the commitments made in 2015 would altogether, even if all kept, would not be enough to keep the global temperature uh, increase below the aspirational goal of 1.5 degrees Celsius. So now world leaders absolutely must rise to this moment and commit to action in this decade that will allow us to meet this goal. And, and President Biden's own commitment to cut U.S. emissions by 50 to 52 percent by 2030, just nine years from now, is a very strong signal to other nations that bold action is not only necessary, but is achievable. We have what we need right now to make the transition to a sustainable economy. While it's great to hear nations pledge to be net zero by 2050, it's the actions they actually take in this decade that will determine whether that goal is really achievable. I think it is, but it'll determine whether we're able to avert the worst impacts of this crisis. And Al Gore was asked to give some examples of where he saw progress happening. The coal miners union in the United States, the United Mine Workers, just fully endorsed Joe Biden's plan, which phases out coal. The biggest business organizations have now changed their rhetoric. Of course, there will still be uh, e efforts by some of the large uh, polluters to, to push back and to be passive aggressive and to slow it down. But in, in general, what we, we are seeing is that the resistance is fading away. You know, uh, back in 1992, the then oil minister in Saudi Arabia uh, said uh, publicly that the Stone Age didn't end because of a shortage of stones, uh, and the, the fossil fuel age will not end because uh, of a shortage of fossil fuels. Both the first and this one will end because something better has come along. Uh, and, you know, we were all startled uh, decades ago to understand that computer chips went down in price uh, by, by half every 18 months and got better at the same time. That same unusual technology cost reduction curve has been operating powerfully on, on solar, wind, batteries, electric vehicles, and hundreds of less well-known but nevertheless very significant efficiency improvements. We're at the early stages of a sustainability revolution powered by uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence, the network of things, the biotechnology revolution. It's giving executive teams the ability to manage uh, atoms and molecules uh, and genes with the same proficiency the IT companies have demonstrated in managing bits of information. And this revolution has the magnitude of the industrial revolution, but the speed of the digital revolution. 
Uh, and as a result, all of the economic calculations are changing. Uh, and, and we're seeing the old fossil fuel economy not only uh, be resisted because of the, the, the harm it's doing, but because it's no longer competitive. Uh, and, and this is making it crystal clear to some of those who used to resist this transition that really it's inexorable and they need to find ways to be a part of the transition. They're not all there yet. Uh, and uh, it, we still see greenwashing and resistance. But one clear sign is that the investor community has changed. You know, th there, there are now 87 uh, large investors managing $37 trillion worth of assets who have committed to making their entire portfolios net zero by 2050, and that means starting right now. Al Gore speaking at the Agenda Dialogue on Tackling the Climate Crisis. That episode is available now as a podcast. Just search Agenda Dialogues wherever you get your podcasts. Other speakers on it include political leaders from Canada, from Washington State, a leading campaigner for the rights of Indigenous peoples who are often on the front line of the climate emergency, as well as the leader of the World Economic Forum's Alliance of CEO Climate Leaders. You can find lots more on this on the article that accompanies this episode and find all of our podcasts at wef.ch slash podcasts. This episode of Radio Davos was written and presented by me, Robin Pomeroy, with editing by Jerry Johansson, studio production by Gareth Nolan. My thanks also to Max Hall. We'll be back next week, so please subscribe to Radio Davos to get it when it lands and join the World Economic Forum Podcast Club on Facebook. Thanks to you for listening. For now, from me, goodbye.